random. Just a random dog? Random dog of the night. <laughs> Chase sitting outside a Gold Star beer counter with Justin Sherrill from Somnuri. They have a new album out uh, this year. It's called Nefarious Wave. It kicks ass. Uh, and yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming to hang hey, out at this bar again. Thank you. Uh, cheers. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's been a wild year. It has been a wild year. It's been a wild couple of years. Um, for anyone that's not in the know, Somnuri is a Brooklyn-based uh, metal band. We'll use that catch-all for the time being. Yeah. Um, but before uh, before Somnuri and before uh, you're in another band, which we'll get to, um, you know, where where did you start kicking it? Like, where what are your earliest experiences with music? Do you have a musical background? Where's your family musically inclined, or did you just one day? later say fuck it I'm gonna go play guitar yeah uh, my mother played piano and sang in a gospel group in a god she started she she was shipped to a uh, all-girls school in Texas that sounds fun and, and uh, her only way out to uh, not be in this cult was to sing and play piano it was I remember her telling me that, and, and she always played piano, and it was always so cool. And my grandmother always wanted me to play piano. And she always said, you've got such pretty fingers. <laughs> you need to play piano. And I tried. I tried so much. I tried to use the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I got a keyboard, and I was like, I can do this. And I just haven't picked it up. And uh, But back then, it was, it was a big inspiration. My mom had always played records and played piano and... We, you know, on like long drives, she would just flip through the radio and be like, who's this? Who's this? Mm -hmm. Who's this? You know, the, 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 the radio trivia. And that was always cool because I, I just thought everybody was Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> Every raspy white guy was Bob Dylan. Uh, and they weren't. Some were Tom Petty. And, <laughs> and he, he's the best. That guy rules. And then, yeah, I guess in school... Uh, I really wanted to play sports, and, and I, I excelled at sports, and I got shot when I was a teen. Damn, whoa, really? Yeah, I got shot in the leg, and at that point, it was like, you know, they were like, you're not going to walk or play sports ever, so. Why? Uh, okay, maybe that's a bad way of phrasing uh, that question. Long, long story short, uh, we're rednecks playing with guns. Oh, okay. My friend had a, an AR-15 type uh, assault rifle, and... It had more, uh, there was a bullet in the chamber when he put the clip in, uh, and it discharged, went my leg, blew it out, and that was Damn. it. So it was, I, I, that Fuck. was, that was the last day of school. Like, we were celebrating, we are going to go camping and shoot stuff. And I then did you shot your leg? We did shoot stuff. So you did shoot something. <laughs> I didn't. But I, not the right thing. <laughs> um, so it was, you know, the beginning of summer vacation, and I'd always wanted to play guitar. And... 
I was like, well, here's the opportunity. I'm just sitting around, and I had a, an acoustic guitar, and I just taught myself how to play. I would, I would listen to songs and try and finger it out, you know? And uh, was able to get to a spot where it was like, I really like this, and it does something for me. It was, it was a connection of like, maybe this is who I am. You know, sports is awesome and it's a great bonding experience. It can teach you a lot of valuable lessons of, of how, to, how to work with people and how to figure yourself out. But at that point, it was like, I, I really feel like music might be my thing. Mm -hmm. And started playing guitar, started getting the hang of it. And in my town, it was a very small town. There was nobody played music and had to branch out to surrounding towns. And Where was it? Uh, upstate New York. Upstate New it's York. near Syracuse. A place called Derider. Uh, it's it's. Uh, I mean, I've been up in you yeah. know upstate New York. It's, so it's a small town. I think I graduated with twenty four people or something like that. Like there's. Yeah. Huh. I, I so I have graduated. Uh, my class is bigger than somebody else. What was it? Mine was ninety four. Ninety four. That's that, huge. <laughs> but, but that's pretty small for the burbs. Mm, yeah. Totally. I mean, this is a a farming community. Right. Very few people. And nobody played music, so I had to kind of, like, reach out to friends of friends, who plays, who does yeah. what, and eventually got some people together, and it ended up being, like, five people who play guitar. <laughs> and like, well, who's going to play drums? Uh, nobody. And so that's when I kind of, uh, a, a friend of mine had a drum set, and I would just go to his garage and just try and play. And eventually, uh, I think it was the Deftones Around the Fur record. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one it might be the song Around the Fur. I think it is. And I was like, I want to, if I can learn how to play that, I can figure out how to play drums. And really just started teaching myself how to play drums and, and ended up, you know, kind of putting on headphones with my Walkman and playing to whatever, whatever I wanted to play. And I was like, I can fucking do this. This is awesome. So then it was kind of that that was like, I, I feel like I, if I can play drums and I can play a little bit of guitar, I can find my worth and, and maybe fit in with whatever band needs whatever. So I, yeah, I, I played guitar, or I played drums in a band in high school and then moved to Boston, was playing drums there. And then that just kind of uh, disintegrated in Boston. And I think I was like 20, 22 or something. And I was like, this city sucks <laughs> you know it was just a lot of a lot of cocaine a lot of people I, a lot of people on cocaine and, and bad you know heroin and shit like that and we just need to get out not and fun drugs yeah no and I just smoked weed and drank and, and it was like I, I don't feel like this is a place that I can thrive in at all and I can't meet people and everybody's like 35 and older and I'm 20 everybody would like discount my ability and be like you're a kid you don't know shit Right, you know, uh, not to toot my own horn. <laughs> Been there. Not to toot my own horn, but I would outshred everybody because they're too fucked up to play. And when I came to New York, it was like I, I'm here for a reason. I'm gonna, yeah. meet, I'm gonna meet people. I'm gonna bust my ass and grind and try and just find whatever I can do to, to express myself in a band that I want to play in, do yeah. something that I enjoy. You know? Well, I, I think it's safe to say that you found what you were looking for hmm. here, and not, you know, and I. You know, it's not like New York is any kinder of a city than Boston. Just as like, you know, I, I mean, if anybody's like putting city in their toughness levels on a spectrum, like that's kind of dumb. They're all going to be you're 
you know, life's difficult no matter how you spin it, but like, yeah. there is something to be said about community here, I think, is a little bit. Yeah. I mean, and again, I can't speak for Boston. I'm not trying to step on any toes for anybody that might be from Boston, uh, but, you know, the New York I, scene is a little bit, There, there's something about it. It's a little bit different. Well, I think uh, there's a few different things is that I, have, I still have a lot of friends from Boston, and there are uh, a lot of great bands there and the surrounding areas. I just think it was almost such a small town that I couldn't get right. into a niche or a scene or, you know, everybody who played already had bands. Yeah. And those people had other bands. Yeah. And, like, it was, everything was already taken. And I think I was so young and, and didn't have the confidence to push in and put myself in a position to, to be in a spot where I could play. And when I came here, it was like there were so many opportunities. You hit a wave. I mean, you probably came right around the same time as a wave was starting to pick up. Yeah. And I first moved here and started doing open mic nights. Mm-hmm. Like singer-songwriter, sensitive, acoustic guitar. And it was like I couldn't find a band to play drums in. And I just, it was like Craigslist stuff that was just like, I I just wasn't confident. And I knew going to open mic nights was a way that I could, I'm not behind drums. I couldn't really sing really well or play guitar all that well, but I knew if I could put myself out there and really, this is the hardest thing you could do, sit out in front of a crowd of people, play guitar and sing about your feelings. (laughs) You know, and like, if I could do that, I can be prepared to step into a band or, or, right. or start a band or whatever and, and really express myself without feeling like I, I need a shield or anything. Mm-hmm. And, and that was awesome. And that's, um, I ended up through doing open mic nights all around the city, I ended up finding a dude who was starting a metal band who needed a drummer. And that band was called Wizardry. And it was awesome. It was new wave of British heavy metal throwback stuff and it was awesome and I jumped in and played drums again and I, I felt that confidence and it was like I can do this again I was like 23 years old everybody else was like 35 and I was like I can play and hold my own and these guys look at me like I'm an equal as a, as a peer I'm bringing something creative to the table not looked at as some young gun dipshit who doesn't know what he's talking about right. even though I, I, I didn't know anything musically like hadn't listened to Sabbath all mm-hmm. that much. I always felt like the Iron Maidens, Jews, Priests, Sabbaths was like dinosaur rock. Right. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't understand its weight and its significance in, in the songwriting world that I, that I do now. It's, but uh, yeah, that was that was the turning point, and it was just a, a part of the evolution of where I wanted to be in a band the kind of music I wanted to make how I could contribute to songwriting Mm -hmm. and and the band as a whole and throughout that band still playing guitar and coming up with riffs as a drummer it was pretty frowned upon like you're the drummer trying to write songs yeah (laughs) get out of here and and it was kind of then that I kind of knew I was like well I I I love playing drums but I really want to contribute in a more of a songwriting sense and I think I can play guitar in a metal band and that's kind of where the idea came from. Yeah. So you mentioned <clears throat> you mentioned the Deftones and Around the Fur. Do you think that was when you started to have a new perspective on heavy music and be like, okay, there's a little bit more to this? Because I mean, I think the Deftones are pretty awesome. Likewise. You know, and I know a lot of people really like them. And you know, I know they have their 
haters or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I don't really have the time for it. It's just, but would you say that was like the band or the record that kind of opened your eyes up to it, you know, a little yeah. bit differently? Yeah, because at that time, early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, when, well, I mean... Uh, <laughs> a weird time for metal. Uh, yeah, because there was, you know, Deftones were doing their thing. I never latched on to Adrenaline, um, but when Around the Fur came out, was that 97 or something? Like, that was, to me, it was really influential. It was rhythm bass, it was groove, it was croony, there was rad riffs, the drum parts were great, and then, you know, you had bands like... Corn and Limp Biscuit, and then Mudvayne came along, and like, I I I tried my hand at Limp Biscuit, and I just thought it was goofy. It, yeah, uh, it is. Uh, I I think their uh, guitar player uh, Wes Brolin, I think, is a fantastic. Yes, very player. talented. And, and uh, but you know, and then like bands like Mudvayne came around. I was like, whoa, well, this is a different animal altogether. Yeah, I think objectively, you know, I like I, I've never really. I guess I've always liked System of a Down, and like I've never really gotten into like Slipknot because uh, I missed the boat when I was younger, and I just didn't have it. And I and I'll be perfectly and I it's it was funny. There was an old older episode of this where a guy was like, I can't, I literally can't believe you listen to metal and you've never listened to Slipknot. I'm like, I do like you know, they're big songs. Yeah. Um, but I think you could objectively say that you know bands like Slipknot and System probably made better, more interesting music than. You know, I think yeah. just it's more complex and they probably were in their own weird way addressing yeah, something I mean, a little bit deeper than there's just more substance. I had a bad day. Uh, you know, it, it is a running joke of uh, in practice I'll I'll play the break stuff riff. Burn, burn. You know, like all right, all right, all right, come on, let's get real. Let's get to the songs. But yeah, a band like System of a Town, when uh, I mean that first record was very spastic. But still seemed very sludgy too, and then the uh, was it toxicity, mm -hmm. and that was like these are great fucking songs, you know. And it was a different approach altogether, and I feel like it turned. It was already a weird time in metal, uh, so to have this Armenian influence on it, and it wasn't really rap rock, even though it was lumped into your Limp Bizkit, Corn, and, and and I do I, one of the. I remember listening to Corn and just thinking like, I, I this is really awesome. I just it's not for me. Yeah. Like I never owned a Corn record, but would always appreciate it. I'm like this is cool, man. This is really heartfelt. They were just to me. They were like a defining part of '92 K Rock. Like just constantly. Yeah. K Rock was my shit growing totally. up. Yeah. You know, and then obviously yeah. K Rock died, and uh, I moved on. That and I get. In a good way, I suppose. I learned about like stuff, you know, like deeper cut Sabbath and yeah. Rush and whatnot from you know Key One Hundred Four Three, the classic rock yeah. station. But I was also like, God, I fucking hate Journey and all this fucking yeah. yacht rock horse shit. Like I hated that stuff and like it's just anything that slammed down your throat. And it's like with a lot of those bands uh, like Journey or Kansas. I love Boston, the band, more than the city. Uh, their first record is the greatest debut album of all time. Every single song is a number one hit. Like that first record and the story behind it, Tom Schultz recording everything by himself in the basement, like it's fucking unreal. Uh, but to bring it back, uh, yes, uh, some of the radio stations, especially in upstate New York, were like slamming down your throat all these, the, the same eight songs. Yeah. Whether it be a modern rock thing or a classic rock thing, 
there wasn't a lot of depth to what they were giving you. Just like here's the same eight song package over and over and over. But What's the song from to, the Breakfast Club? Uh, uh, don't you? Who does that? Uh, uh, shit. So was it many? Is it don't you forget? Is it something about faces? Me. Uh, I can't remember, but uh, I'll never know if they have any other good songs because I was like, I'm never fucking. I listening bet to this band. they do, but yeah. <laughs> I, 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 if if you paid me a million dollars to name a number one song right now, I would lose a million dollars. Yeah, exactly. But I, I've uh, in the last couple of years, I've been very into Hall and Oates. I think their catalog is fantastic. That's <laughs> they've got the most number one hits by a duo. Like of all time. Well, I think there's something to be said for just being able to write good pop songs, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. Totally. Uh, I don't know where we got from there from corn. <laughs> I, I think you're just talking about, <laughs> like, you, you, know, you know, just like finding out about the stuff. Like for me, it was a lot of like, you know, through FM radio. Yeah. And then, you know, right. I, I, I grew up during the age of the internet talked about a lot that was a huge source for me for finding out all that stuff college radio is a huge important uh you know college radio was where i really started to understand that these bands need you know specifically metal bands and indie metal bands yeah Uh, they need a thousand percent of your support right and there were probably a lot of bands that i waved off i remember like in college i was just like oh i don't like high on fire and now it's like yeah, it I could love be abrasive at first. Bands. I remember was it Ithaca College Radio. I think they had like a metal Monday night or something like that, and I think that was one of the first ones that I had heard too. I mean, big was big for me. Like I grew up in New Jersey, so okay. WSOU yeah, was Seton the big Hall. one, and yeah. that was like a lot of the stuff I didn't like. Now I'll put it up, and if I'm in New Jersey driving around, I will throw on WSOU. Yeah, even if you're in Manhattan, you can pick it up, or mm-hmm. you know, uh, I. I I love that because uh, I did construction and the office was in New Jersey. And, yep. You know, would, uh, they were metal most of the time. They would have like a jazz hour from like 5 to 6 a.m. or something like that. Fun callback. Uh, you know, JJ from the Obelisk? Yeah. He got kicked off of WSOU because he insulted the uh, like the president of the college. Because no they did some stupid college thing. Oh, I was going to say, like, you know, what some, did, he, did, you know, he, did he say God? Yeah, oh, like, I don't know. I think they, I think they play they, Lamb of God or God forbid. They're like oh, blank no. forbid or Lamb of blank. <laughs> no, I, I think they. Hilarious. I think he said they did. I don't, you'd have to go back and listen. He said something like they did. You know, a dumb administrative college politics thing, Amazing. and he was just like, "Fuck that!" So that he was booted off. But uh, anyway, JJ, the, JJ, I, I love you. Love you, JJ. I can't wait to bring that up next time we speak. <laughs> He'll be like, "Where did you find out about that?" Yeah, archives. Uh, um, <laughs> you're, you're in New York and you're, you're doing the drums and you want to do this. Yeah. So like, how did you put together Sumnery? And also what's the name and what does it mean? Uh, I'm, always, I'm always interested in the names of a band. You know? Yeah. I wish I had a better story with the name, uh, but is it like just, it works. I was playing drums in a band called Bezor, which was a husband and wife duo. And I played drums, uh, Tyler's husband played guitar, his wife Sarah played bass and sang, great writer, singer, one of the best. And we were practicing um, in an old spot by the gutter on North 14th, no longer there. And we would take breaks and go out in the uh, foyer and smoke weed and, and take, a, take a breather. And Phil, who plays drums in Somnery, he was playing drums. He shared uh, an adjacent wall that, that, uh, of our space 
and we would see each other out smoking weed together and he would be like oh I, th that song you guys are working on is awesome and blah 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 and I would go uh, in our off time of the band I'd be writing riffs and fucking around and he was tracking drums and guitar and bass I think some of it himself he was playing guitar for his band he was putting on himself with his uh, other guitar player the band was called Last Hours and it was really great <coughs> what else is Phil in? Uh, Does he do anything else? Because I feel like I saw his name pop up somewhere else. He manages our band pretty well. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, he's, 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 what else know, does he do? He carries the load. He carries the load for sure. Uh, he's he's um, well. He produced a record, you know, essentially. Um, he's he's mixed it. He's been um, that. Uh, he played in the band Family before that. He played in the band Grandfather, which was a little more straight up rock and roll. Still a little proggy. Uh, family was pretty prog rock. They they had a good run. Um, so you got a thing for like family name bands. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> but um, when um, I had met, I had known Phil. We'd played shows together, and then hanging out outside in front of the practice space. Uh, I remember just being like, "Hey, man." Um, I had asked him. Uh, I I had I had asked to join his band because mm -hmm. I was like, "I'm looking to play guitar. I've always wanted to play guitar in a band." Uh, you guys are looking for a second guitar player out here. And it was like, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe not. I don't know. Like, could be. And then the conversation shifted. It was like, well, I am also trying to start my own. If, if you don't want me in your band, I would like to start my own. Would you maybe want to check yeah. out these riffs that I have and try some stuff? And it really started from there. I had demoed the ideas by myself with Nick Palmerado, the guitar player from Hall and Pyrolatris. They had a spot by the old Acheron. Love Hall. I love them. I, They're the best. I was not around for the Acheron days. Mm. Acre, I feel like Acheron sort of highlights a very specific time in the New York metal scene. I feel like... And it was so short-lived, like it was maybe five years. And it was kind of the place that people went before St. Vitus was yeah, thing, yeah, right? Yeah. Did they, did yeah, they exist there was, at the same time? There was time? a two, three year, Yeah, I think, uh, carry over there, but... Um, with Nick, uh, I just told him my ideas, and he was like, great, come in, lay your guitars down, and then play drums over it, and we'll get you a demo. And I, I did that, and I realized that I couldn't play the drums to my own ideas like I thought I could. Mm. And it was like, this, I need a drummer. This isn't going well. <laughs> you know, and, and I had asked Phil, I was like, can you just, can I just hear some idea? Would you have any interest? And he's like, this song's cool, this song's cool, yeah. And it just really kind of started from there. And it was like, oh shit, you're playing something that I would have done totally different. Mm. All the ideas I had, you're doing something way different. And it was like, but that's way better. <laughs> like, you're thinking about this in a different light than I am. And I like that. I think it's really hard to be a guy who just... I know there's some bands who are like, I do everything. I write the parts, the lyrics, the artwork, everything. And it's got to be a, a, a demanding in a different way that, um, I don't know, you, you have no room for error or interpretation. And right. The biggest reason I wanted to play in a band was to be with people and hear other ideas because I'm not going to have the best idea all the time. <laughs> right. We were just talking about like... <clears throat> Sort of like the, I guess like the comfortability, the comfortability of working in like a, just like a, a band that you're all 
bouncing ideas off each other and like you know you're the guitar player but you're not afraid to ask be like does this make sense here well you know, just like that kind of that kind of nature you know and like even if like you know i was saying like oh the drummer might be like the he's just oh, i i drum in the band he does a great job but if you're like hey does this actually work and if they're just like well, whatever i'm the drummer i don't get paid the top but if they're like right no it doesn't i mean that's valuable i think that's good that's what makes for good band right <laughs> when the I, band understands each other yeah I, you know uh I, th I think it helps that phil plays guitar i don't know if he has any other band but he's written guitar for other mm -hmm. bands so and i played drums and you know have another band so i think we both speak each other's languages in terms of that of like if if he sees something going on a guitar like i don't know man it's just what you're doing isn't working maybe do this or do that i'm, I'm always open those possibilities and 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 going the other way too like maybe this beat needs to be double time or maybe blast through this thing yeah or do a quarter time thing you know we can be open for suggestions and and know that the other person knows what we're talking about and not just be like you're just saying some arbitrary suggestion just to say something right and i've been in those bands too where maybe the suggestion will be there just to have a suggestion it's not a creative thing you're saying you're just saying it just so you have yeah. an opinion you're, you're taking advantage of the fact that you're in the band yeah. but it's like there's nothing really to be said you're just doing it because you feel like you have that if power. I don't say something now I never will so right <laughs> yeah. but even then if it's just like oh I if whatever it's just like oh I think your solo sucks and you're just like oh that's funny no one else thinks it sucks but yeah I think every band is different in, in that regard you know mm -hmm. the, the band I was talking about before Bezo where I played drums like I literally just played drums to their ideas and it was like they would have a complete song vocals all these melodies and there's a really weird prog thing going on yeah. where it was like I had to fit drums to an already set song that was bizarre it was like guitar and bass played two different things nothing really matched up no root notes it was like two different things always going on so the drums had to either go to the bass or the guitar or up the middle and then you had three different rhythms going on you know so i think with our band a lot of it starts where i'll come up with a riff and phil and i will talk about it and it'll be a relatively complete idea in the essence of a song and then we'll kind of deconstruct it and then build it back up from there what are you listening to is that Eve 6 <laughs> I thought it was like Reliant K or uh, grocery store music has got to be the worst I, I, I always find it funny like I look there's certain circumstances where like people playing music on their phone yeah. like by themselves I'm like okay I get it and I've done it but also like I do think it's funny when people are walking around Brooklyn and I'm like you don't have like a pair of headphones well it's, <laughs> it's the worst speaker possibly you could it's the worst mode of listening to music you possibly yeah. could unless you have like a laptop up against your face yeah uh, other than that it's like just get a speaker or headphones or play the song in your head and make your own part to it or, <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah having your phone in your pocket blasting whatever that guy's listening to Eve 6 I haven't thought about that name and probably 20 years well maybe not 20 years hope it's another 20 years after this hope me no I, I, heard, <laughs> I heard it i heard it in the grocery store the other day and that's where 
I think that's the only time I hear actual like modern top 40 pop music is in the grocery store. I feel like I still don't hear modern top. Well, I feel I, like they still play stuff from like 1990. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you hear like uh, the, that the, the early 2000s Green Day stuff, the Boulevard of Broken Dreams, stuff yes. like that. And like, I, I really love Green Day. Their first two, three records. Oh, I love I that had, era of Green I, Day. I loved it. Really good stuff. I back remember. Then. I felt like I was growing up and uh, turning into a curmudgeon when they started changing their sound. I was like, this is fucking lame. Dude. No, I mean, <laughs> it's like I think you're wearing suits now and you got a different guitar. You got a third guitar player or whatever, like or a second guitar, whatever. I I saw them on that tour and yeah. that was just like which one on the American Idiot tour. Yeah, okay. And I just was like, I'm done. You have a musical now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I saw that, too. And it sucked. Mm. Quick point to the Green Day thing, though. Yes. Was that I remember listening to, wasn't so much Dookie, but then Insomniac and then Nimrod. And I remember thinking like, and I think my mom pointed it out because she was so great of listening to the bullshit that I would be like, Mom, you want to hear this band that I like? And she was like, this is really awesome that the bass player is the lead player. Mm-hmm. The guitar player plays all the root note shit, but the bass player is leading all the melodic feel of everything. I was like, I remember thinking like, what are you talking about? I was like, holy shit, you're totally right. And yeah. I think that's what made them so different. And I think that's what I gravitated towards was like how great Mike Dirt is as a bass player and an aggressive bass player and all these great melodic leads that really push the song forward. And, um, I'll still listen to, uh, what was it, uh, I think from Nimrod, the song Take Back. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to cover it. Like, that could be a thrash song. You know, like, uh, along- my mom liked Green Day, too. But my mom was, like, a punk, grew up, like, was big in this punk scene in New York back in the gotcha. day. Yeah. So, like, for great- Green Day to come along, she was like, oh, this is a band I can, like, bond with my kid over. It was, it was uh, on one hand, uh, a safe... A digestible wine shop kind of band, but still like a little angry shit. enough. Yeah. Maybe throwing a fuck or a shit somewhere, but still had. I think their musical integrity is was awesome. The songs are really great, but you know uh, that doesn't last forever. And that's okay. she. She just knew based on watching bands get big in New York that like once they went for like the American Idiot sort of like yeah. concept record, she's like different band they're not like really a punk band anymore. i thought i did it to the band because once i stopped paying attention to them you know basically after nimrod because i was like a 22 song record or something like it's it long a fucking long record uh and that was that big breakthrough like yes trl moment of uh, yeah 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 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, time of your life right i mean so, like, you, that was like the that was yeah. everybody's graduation so you know if that you know, it was a 2002 or something uh anyway i i i once i stopped paying attention to him they started making shit music, and I thought it was my fault. <laughs> it's like, uh, I like, should have been there. That's like you personalizing like a, a moment, you know? Yeah. Back into your music. Yeah, sorry. But uh. like when I was I I was re-listening to the new record, and like you know, I don't mean to draw comparisons or anything, but like no, when I listened to it, like I thought of I did think of Mastodon when I listened to your music, but like early Mastodon and not like you sounded like them but you were doing the same idea of yeah they were playing like really like fast speed metal on that first record and then 
they kept the speed, but then they were like, but why don't we try to like do some other things here? Like, why don't we make it a little spacey? Why don't we make it a little proggy? Why don't we like just slow it down? Why don't we work with it? Why don't we make this a little bit more of like a, like a more pop song? You know, let's do like a, a shorter one. And I like that because you're clearly comfortable taking different approaches to it. And like in your music, some Thank of you. it's harsh, some of it's melodic, some sometimes it's both. And there's just a lot of complexity. And it sort of like defies just being called a sludge or a doom band, which I guess like, you know, I, my, I guess my ultimate question is like, do you, know, do you feel like you're pigeonholed into that category because people don't know how to classify you or do you are you just like don't think about that shit at all you know i feel like that's something that people get really worked up with in metal like how do i define this and sometimes people are like oh they're like a stoner metal band and i've listened to it and i'm like this isn't stoner metal this is really strange music you just don't know what to call it so you called it the weirdest thing you know of and then you get into yeah. like a like a oh it's like a fuzzed out blackened uh, prog album and you're like what and that that's not marketable <laughs> right uh, it's been a blessing and a curse I think um, in regards to our style and how it works I can start with saying that I I love Mastodon uh, I've loved him from from the the, the call of the Mastodon to yeah. remission all the way through. And even to this newest record, you know, I was just listening to it earlier. Haven't checked it out yet. I listened to a little bit of it the other day, and I was like, nope. And then I listened to it today, and I was like, yep. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I, I think we should always reserve judgment until you get four or five listens into something. That's the true test of art is, you know, it might not fucking blast you in the face, say this is what I am and I feel like those are the albums that may not have uh, the lasting power uh, there's something that is, is a slow burn and keeps yeah. you listening for more and that has that ear candy and it's a little more difficult like it should be cerebral and, and that's how I look to our music as like um, you know we don't start a song off with that fucking grocery store uh, chorus right. <laughs> you know what I mean but um, I guess when, when um, reading reviews or hearing what people have to say about our record, it doesn't necessarily, uh, it's, it's all true. Right. You, you know, I think there's all a hint of truth of, yeah, it sounds like this. It's a little bit of that. Yeah, there's not a single thing that I've read or heard that I'm like, you're so wrong. Yeah, there's some truth in it. But um, we made a record that I feel like was meant to be an entire listen yeah you know and it's only 37 38 minutes something like that it's not a long record by any means you know it's it's a completely digestible singular piece of art and i i applaud that i mean most yeah. of the stuff i listen to is 45 minutes to over an hour long you know and it's yeah you know it's long form music that requires right. a little bit of patience and focus and yeah. you know I'm not always in the mood for that, you know? Sure. Sometimes right. Dylan's having a bad fucking day and he needs to let some steam off and uh, it's only 12 minutes of steam, though. <laughs> and 12 <laughs> minutes of uh, yeah. ain't gonna cut it. Right. And I need something a little fucking faster in my life. Uh, yeah. You know, but, but to listen to, you know, your record at that time, it's like, you you know that your your time is limited and you you put it in there and it's and and yet within those songs it's varied and different and nuanced and you have the ability to go to make it a harsh song or a melodic song or like i said 
a hybrid of both, which is yeah. very impressive. And you also avoid the key mistake that I find often of when a band go out on a, do a great song and you think it's the closer and then you're just like, oh, there's this other song. It feels mm. like everything kind of comes around really nicely, but I love that it opens really fucking hard and then you kind of pull back for a while and it kind of wavers and it's just, uh, it definitely, lean, it, it, it shows that you want to keep it interesting, you know, just yeah. not just for the audience, but probably for yourselves too. Uh, I, w I would say 96% for ourselves, <laughs> you know, because there is the thing of like, wait a second, are people going to want to listen to this? Can people handle an entire record's worth of stuff? And I think that's where the track listing comes into play. Yeah. You know, when we started out, we had a bunch of songs and we ended up recording, how many songs were on the moment? Seven. Seven. And we recorded eight songs. And the eighth one, we are going back and we're uh, redoing some vocals on it in the next couple of weeks. And we're going to look to release that unreleased song you know hopefully this winter because it's way different and we had the same thing from our first record the self-titled record mm -hmm. that we did two songs with the split with godmaker yes those Re two recent guests uh, <laughs> uh fantastic uh, absolute friends of ours uh, just saw them they're all very tall except for archie <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we iced the shit out of Archie. Oh. Archie, we got you, you bitch. As cold as ice. Uh, he that always the has the greatest best. mustaches. But in terms of our record, like, we did what we could. We just recorded what we had and, and, and tried to just, I mean, it's generic, but we just tried to make them all the best yeah. independent songs that we could. And then kind of as we were going along, then we started thinking, like, boy, I, th I think end of this song really ties into that and maybe if we uh, I don't know uh, towards the end of recording and mixing it was like well now we start thinking of how we track list these things together and how we sequence things to really build the album yeah and in our first album the self-titled album we added a couple things to tie in some of the songs to build a sequence to make them feel like it was a full piece because to me uh, that's how i want to do things i want to make a record that is a full whether it's 30 minutes or 50 minutes it's a and it's a, it's an experience the same way that i like to build our live shows i don't want any quiet bullshit time yeah i want to say hey thanks for coming out love yeah. you guys whatever but I want to have that experience be uh, just full on. Yeah. And, and it, I don't want you to have to stop and think about, hmm, I wonder what's happening next. You know, like, <laughs> let's just keep it going and keep everybody involved and in the same space. And with Nefarious Wave, I think we had a lot of the more extreme ideas were just more extreme. And, and, and I wanted to try a lot of different vocal things, with it, whether it be like, big choruses or really clean singing things and uh, harmonies and stuff and that's where uh, once Philippe came into the fold playing live with us the the one song in the gray was like once practicing it was like man you're really singing this really cool harmony that I had thought of before but you're singing it way better than I could ever have done it myself so we actually went back after we kind of had done some remixing and had him re-record or, or mm -hmm. record a harmony over that top of the chorus in in the gray and that to me was like that there we go see i'm glad we were able to kind of sit back 
we weren't in a rush to release the record because COVID was happening. We right. Didn't, we didn't have um, the opportunity to, you know, we're shopping it and doing all this stuff, but um, it was one of those things that we, we just felt like uh, we're comfortable with expanding and making the best record possible. And we, we were able to make a deal with Blues Funeral right before shit hit the fan in terms of vinyl pressing. Right. If we waited another month, our record would still be sitting out somewhere. You know, right. so like we we got we got it done in the nick of time and we were able to get a gorgeous vinyl. You know what I mean? And it, and it all worked out pretty well. It kind of interesting move to drop it at the beginning of this year. Right. Yeah. Well, you know? I, I just knew that we, we couldn't sit on the record anymore. Right. We, oh, of course not. We were either going to put it out ourselves it. or, you know, it, it, we weren't going to, we were looking for the best deal for us. And, you know, we had talked to a lot of people who were like, this is great. And a lot of people wanted to put it out, but it was like, we can put it out in 2022. It was like, at <sighs> no, that point, no. we were done with the record before the pandemic hit. Right. Essentially. And then once shit hit the fan, then we kind of went back, remixed, retweaked some things, added Philippe's vocals to his song. And then it was like, all right, this is tight. Let's not sit on the shit yeah. any longer. Because if we do, we might never put it out. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we got to just do it and start writing the next one. What I noticed was it, like, when it dropped, it, it got a lot more, I feel like it got a lot of attention. I feel like it blipped especially hard in the New York scene, you know, and kind of, you know, I know you guys have been around for a few years, but it got a nice response. Like you were, you, you were in a fucking revolver video, man. I was watching you talk about the bare naked ladies, you know, like, and, um, (laughs) yeah. And, uh, our mutual friend, Dave from made in Brooklyn, you know, he's been talking, he's talked to you guys up before and, you know, he told me to check you guys out. I think that, I think that, and, and, uh, Claudia from, uh, Ode to Doom, you know, like talked you guys Claudia. up. So I finally, you know, got around to it. And when I listened to it, it felt like when I was turning on, um, Headbangers Ball back in like, you know, the 2010s. Sure. And like, I, I didn't respond to a lot of that music at the time. But I certainly remembered a lot of it. And I, that was where I remember seeing, like, Red Fang, High on Fire, yeah. those kinds of yeah. Dillinger Escape Plan. Jamie Joss con- was conver- hosting, yeah. yeah, Converge, <laughs> yeah. you know, those and, and all those bands. What, and I remember I didn't really like it, but I felt like I was sort of, like, making myself listen to it. And it was like, just put this in the back of your head, and you might come around to it one day. And it kind of got the same feeling from that. Like, what's your take on that? I mean, is it something where you're like, oh, shit, like, all of a sudden people, like, kind of want to hear what I have to say about things, you know, or, and, like, or does it just say, like, because I know Revolver's, like, based out of New York and whatnot, so, like, does it just say, like, that New York's got a tight scene that wants to boost up it, that New York hasn't forgotten about its local scene? I think... Without focused uh, on the big guys. You know, not to toot our own horn, but I I think we put out a really excellent record that I mean I agree <laughs> that people thought was good enough to talk about and um, you know we, we've had uh, really good PR with Purple Sage and our, and our uh, manager Chris Enriquez with uh, Power Child Management helped us you know helped push our word to people who would listen and, and I think number one nobody's gonna 
talk about your shit if it sucks. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, uh, I, as far as I'm aware of. But I think we did our best in playing rad shows, putting out the best record we could have, and excellent support with people that are in the core, like Dave, who's printed all of our shirts, which are all amazing. Go to somnuri.com for all that grab. <laughs> but uh, Dave and Made in Brooklyn uh, does great merch for us, and um, we've had excellent friends in our corner. I think that's that's been one thing that I've always wanted to do is not just hire some rando dude from uh, nowhere. It was like, oh, I know this great artist, you know. Uh, or like one of the many people who message you be like, hey, bro. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which I, I don't even know. I, I feel like those are all spam. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Phil's responsible for answering those people. So. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Uh, but, um, one of the best examples is our videos that we've done. Uh, yeah. Susan, who owns the Levy, uh, North Third North and Barry in, in Williamsburg, uh, great dive bar. She's a great filmmaker, great cinematographer, and she's made... Uh, we put out five videos. Phil did one of those. She did the other four. Like she, she's an excellent filmmaker, and a lot of again, it's the support from your friends and people who believe in you. And she went above and beyond, like way above and beyond, to make some of the coolest videos that I've ever seen, and by far any videos that I've ever been in. Uh, so I think it's one of those things where it's like if you have rad people in your corner and supporting you, and maybe talking and telling your friends like hey check this band out because i know you have and i have too but like dude have you ever heard of this band and i think it's a cool thing it's part of like street clout cred kind of thing of like have you ever heard of this band yes you've yes. never heard of this band let me tell you about it everybody wants to be the the the, the first person to tell the other person about the rad new band that yeah. just discovered not to say we're it but uh, I, I think there is a part of a thing when, when you are friends and people who know you believe in you, you're willing to take a chance and to tell someone that yeah. they discovered a rad new band. And we just did a tour a couple weeks ago, uh, mid-September until October. And more often than not, cities that we played in, people would come up and be like, oh, my friend told me to come check you out and this yeah. and that. I was like, well, great. I, I haven't. I've never played in uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, but you've heard of us. That's fucking amazing. That's if, great. If, if there's if there's like one goober in New York that likes stoner metal and just goes to see a band and they're like, "Oh my God, I saw Sumnery," they're gonna talk about you probably somewhere, you know. And there's gonna be he's gonna be like, "Oh, they're playing there, dude. You gotta go. They're gonna be there for the opener. They're sick." Yeah. And there's gonna be that person. And yeah. like, I know I call him a goober. But, or in French, it's Goubert. Or Goubert. But you, Goubert, like, you know, it's people like that that yeah. are probably keeping the scene alive. And just like, For sure. to get your, that, that exposure when well, you're that's, out Well, that's there. a great thing about we, we've been able to um, be a part of a lot of rad shows. Uh, and for instance, we just played with Paul Bear and Heavy Temple. Yes. Uh, what, two weeks ago at St. Vitus. And we were uh, lucky enough that they asked us to open up the show. And it was like, fucking, yeah. We, we played our record release at Union Pool uh, August 12th, which is the same week of the card mandate yeah. in New York. So it was very much like a lot of people were reluctant and kind of scared to come out, understandably so. It was a great show. 
but it was a, it was a weird vibe of there you know people were coming out partying celebrating and we played with Netherlands and Husbandry both great friends both great bands both great bands I've spoken with Husbandry before fantastic uh, Jordan helped put together the theme song for my other podcast so shout oh, awesome. out to Jordan Rad. and uh, and Nick from Moon Tooth Right. Tooth also kicks ass. Right, fantastic. Uh, they don't need any help. They're fucking fantastic. Yes. <laughs> uh, haven't talked to anybody from Netherlands, but if you want to come on, for sure, totally. you guys uh, kick ass too. Yep. No, no, uh, they're, they're fantastic as well. I don't know why I'm talking so loudly. It might be because I'm cold. There's a <laughs> cold and there's airplanes. But you know, a, a band like us, we you know, we don't need help, but it's very much. We appreciate it, mm-hmm. and, and it's those kind of things where, like, we played with Paul Bear a couple weeks ago, and when we were walking on stage, people started cheering. Yeah. Uh, which is different than, like, ah, just finish yeah. up and get the fuck out so we can see Paul Bear. <laughs> and it was like, wow, I think people are actually here to see us, which feels so appreciated and, and genuine and, like, oh, do you, you actually give a shit about what we're doing and like I think there is a camaraderie there of people going to see a show it might have been their first show it could have been or or their first show at St. Vitus because I know they've only been open for a month or two now yeah it could have been their first show back or their first show period yeah for sure And, and it felt that way and it felt like the kind of energy we felt for that show was like, holy fuck, this feels so good to have people. It felt like a celebration. And and it felt like almost a second record release kind of for yeah. us. And, and we've been working the cycle, putting out videos, doing live Shit, streams, like did the tour. That's a great looking dog. I wonder what his name is. Pardon, uh, what's the dog's name? Moose. I Moose. should have figured. <laughs> Fantastic. Appropriate. Three guesses, get it. I was going to say goose first, but <laughs> the moose is loose. Um, have a good night, Moose. Damn, that thing is fucking that huge. That dog probably weighs more than the lady does, for sure. <laughs> it's a big ass A lot dog. of bone density going on there. But that, that, that show felt like one of those things where we felt like we were supported by uh, St. Vitus the scene in general you know the bands we were playing with it maybe like, outside yeah no, and, and it really like I felt like we had done our work and people were appreciative of what we were doing and it's we've been a band for a while and it's and it's been it's been hard but it's, it's yeah. been very um, worth it totally worth it totally worth it yeah and uh, I can listen to this record after we leave right now and still be proud of it and not sick of it yeah. Even though I've listened to it a thousand times, <laughs> you know, I can still enjoy it, which I know a lot of bands, they listen to their records and they put it out and they're like, it's fucking over this thing. Yeah, my thing. I still love a record. That's that. Uh, does that does that get you into the band called Prostitution? Which, by the way, like when, when, like when I saw uh, uh, Godmaker and everything and uh, Justin was drumming in this band Prostitution uh, it was very funny because the guys in Sasquatch could not get your fucking the band's name right at all they were like hey we'd like to thank the prostitutes hey we'd thank, like to thank um, uh, prostitute like I was hoping and I was like are, like, you, like, are uh, you thanking like many or a singular prostitute like they it was very I'd hilarious I'd like to thank all the prostitutes on the way uh, no I was hoping they would call it like prosciutto or something <laughs> <laughs> we'd like to thank the prosciutto prostitutes earlier meal uh the gabagools and the uh uh is is uh yeah uh 
I've been a fan of that band. Shit, they've been a band since 2010 or something. Like they've been a band a long time. They've had a bunch of drums. For anyone, they're like a, a New York, like kind of weird, like blackened rock band. Yeah, you know. Uh, uh, Y'all were, well, you were, but they were dressed up in uh, suits and blood and dresses and wigs. Yeah, yeah. I had, uh, it was a. It was the day before Halloween. Oh yeah, it wasn't so, actually. Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll it was. It was in that. the realm of Halloween. It was yeah. I've been a fan of theirs for a long time, and I've always loved them, and I've always loved all their drummers. They have great songs. Uh, guitar player Russ is one of the best guitar players you'll ever see. He was very good. He's amazing. He can't seem to ever set up his pedal boards or to get his cables not making stupid noises, but. You know, that's, that's what uh, geniuses are all about. You right. Know? Like, you can't do the simple math. Uh, been, a, been a fan of theirs for a long time. And when I started playing with them, I used to play in the band Tower. I used to play drums with them, which oh, is where really? Philippe was playing bass. That's where we had a relationship from. Philippe paid, played bass in Tower. And, and, you know, I always loved him. I always loved his vibe and his playing. So when we had a vacancy for that, I'd ask Philippe to come in the mix. Tower, come on the podcast. Yep. All of you. Uh, Especially uh, Zach. I love Zach. He's a sweetheart. Um, Got a dirty, dirty vest. Gross. Uh, But when Prostitution had a drumming vacancy, they had asked me to come in and play. And I was like, nah. I'm, you know, just too busy. And the music is too difficult. Like I can't, I can't blast beat or keep up with all these changes. And I can tell and, you were focused when you were playing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, there's a lot of math problems and things like that. But it is one of those things. that's just like, I don't know. There's there's some things um, that I don't know. When it comes to playing drums, there's something primal to it. That's like I get off on this primal. I feel like I'm a a caveman yeah and that's something that i've just got to exercise sometimes and it is difficult to to juggle schedules and and obviously think of of music like it's not an easy form of music to play like their music is very involved in a lot of parts and a lot of different tempos and changes and all this but it's fun and as of now it works and uh you know it's one of those things that uh you know once Somnuri starts touring more, it's going to be, you know, harder to, to figure out. But as of now, I think we're going to record another EP in the next couple of weeks. And, you know, they 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 have, we have another, an EP recorded, ready to release. And then we're going to do another one and, you know, see where that goes. But for me, it's just, it's just fun to play drums, man. It's, mm-hmm. you know, especially the grass is always greener kind of a thing. You know, I can go play guitar by myself. It's probably a different energy. Yeah, it's it's a nice release uh, because it is so analog. You know, if yeah. something goes wrong with my guitar, the guitar itself, the pedal, the amp, the cables, whatever, it's hard to figure out. When when something's wrong with the drums, I can look at it, yeah, loosen or tighten something, and it's fixed. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's like I can see it and and uh, fix the problem with relative ease. Yeah. Where electronics are like, I don't know. Uh, well, it can also, it can sabotage a, a show. Oh, yeah. I've seen it plenty of times. I'm yeah. seeing animals leaders the same virus and their computer went down and the show was over. <laughs> you know oh, It's like, because everything's like running through a thing and like, I mean, it's, you know, with drums, yeah, it's like a drum falls over, you hit a different drum. I don't know, you know, like, yeah. or you lose a stick, you pick up a different stick. Yeah. 
There's a little, you, there's a little more room for like improvisation in yeah. like an emergency moment. I mean, yeah. well, I, yeah, I think over time, you know what you like. Uh, it's it's cool to be impressed with music, you know. And I think going back to a band like Mastodon, you know, it's hearing, cool to be impressed, but it might be better to be immersed. Hearing Leviathan, I think to me. It was the best of both worlds. Right. There was those yes. proggy moments, but those moments that you could sink your teeth into and be like, I'm a caveman now. It's kind of boom, boom, going boom, back boom, to what you were talking boom, about with boom, Dillinger, boom. like where yeah. it was new and it was different. It was weird, but you couldn't pin it down, but you uh, also felt you were getting that kind of yeah. same experience. And, and, you know, again, Dillinger is, is a band that you can't really lump in with anybody else. You know, they did their own thing. And, and I think it's a perfect example of DIY kind of attitude, too, of like... Shout out to New Jersey. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> I, I, you know, a lot of people cite Dillinger as their favorite Jersey band. I would say Burnt by the Sun is my favorite Jersey band. <laughs> I, I thought Dave Whitty, and I was in, what, Municipal Ways? Right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, I I thought his drumming with "Burnt by the Sun" and and the song that's a band that I wrote, missed. I will have to check it out. Fan fucking tastic. Uh, I saw all three of their last shows. <laughs> <laughs> they did one at Cake Shop. They did one at Webster Hall, and I can't remember the other one. Uh, I don't know, some, somewhere else in the city. But "Burnt by the Sun" to me was, to, to me, the great mix of. Uh, Blackened, but but technical, but fucking nasty, and and really out there and weird, and and uh, the guitar playing, the bass playing, uh, yeah, I, I love "Burned by the Sun." I mean, I think I, I think, celebrate their whole catalog. <laughs> I I think the reason why "Nefarious Wave" resonates with me is that yeah, back you, to us. Ba- yeah, back to you. Uh, you you do the smart thing that. I wish more like, you know, Doom and Stoner, whatever associate bands would do is like, kind of like at this point, like we've all heard the Doom riffs. Like we've heard them all. Yeah. Like we've heard every single repeated I hate God riff. We've heard every single sleep tone, you know, repeated and whatever. And if you can do it good, I applaud you. And yeah, the thing is, of course, I like all the stuff. So it's hard for me to be like, I dislike it. But what I like about your music is that you take the backbone of it because Doom is a wonderful backbone, you know, yeah. like that heavy stuff, that sludgy stuff. And then you kind of just expand off of it. And I think all the best bands that can appeal to that crowd are like, you know, there's a reason. I think there's a reason why Converge is accepted into like, there's a reason yeah. why Converge played Roadburn because uh, there's something up there's and curated there, it too, ex- right? and curated it. And there's a reason why that happened is because people responded to that. And I think it's just like an open-minded sort of approach to it. And yeah. I think that's why your album works is that, you know, the backbones, you know, the, you know, the cues and the triggers, but you need to put something else on it. And people are going to say, fuck, that's the new thing. That's yeah. different. Uh, number one, what'd you wash your hands with? It smells great. Was that? Uh, I I used uh, jasmine lavender. Uh, Bath and Body Works soft lavender. Yeah, it yeah. smells so- lavender. Nailed it. You know, uh, back to us. But no, our record cover does look very lavender. Uh, but back to that, I think there wasn't any moments where it was like, man, this is too much that, too much this, not enough that. We need more. Yeah. You know, it was like. I think when we go through and and stockpile the riffs and turn them into songs, it's it's a matter of like, are we getting to the point? Is is there too much going on to yeah. we're losing the point, uh, the essence? Or are we not getting to, you know, some of the songs? It is comes, this worth six minutes of someone's time? Right. Yeah, and and that's a lot of it. And um, 
efficiency comes to mind. Yeah. Of like, yeah, we could nail this riff over and over and over and over. And I love the idea of like crushing someone's soul with a fucking riff that just grinds their bones to dust. But uh, are, are we creating a vulnerability before that with a chorus or a bridge or like, is there some, you know, I, I like accessible shit that you can really like. I love a good chorus. Uh, you yeah. know what I mean? No matter what the style of music, I love a good chorus. And, but I also want to test a listener and myself to, to say like, man, we're, all right, this is a great chorus. Now we're expanding maybe a different version of the chorus or a, a bridge that's going to bring you back to something else that would remind you of the chorus. And I think um, Phil's really great with that too, our drummer of, of, of reminding different ways to uh, express the same thing in a different way and mm -hmm. I think um, a band like Yob does that for me yes uh, which which is uh, one of the most spiritual one of the best live shows I've ever seen some at the Bell House when they came out with Atma which they just reissued yeah and the reissue is fucking awesome I, I love the record but the reissue does it justice knock it off <laughs> um, the reissue does it justice. The drums are heavier. The, there's a weird pinginess the drums are for, and the guitars are more, got more girth. This isn't a Yob talk, but I think of different ways to do things like that, of like, how can you be expansive and take your time, but still get to the point? Yeah. And it's a really hard, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too sometimes, but that's what cake is for. It's for right. eating. Yeah. Right. So I don't know if that answers the question, but <laughs> I think it does. <laughs> All right. Uh, crazy touring story. Hmm. Regardless of band. But band. if you want to do a Somnuri one, obviously. Um, well, we haven't toured a whole lot um, with Somnuri. Um, I mean, this last tour was really weird because it was still pandemic times and we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into every venue every city every state had a different protocol and there's been a lot of theft going on yeah well that was that's always been my biggest thing is like we can't get robbed because right. there's no way we'll recover you know what i mean if we get all our shit stolen it's over <laughs> you know what i mean like and you can't us... you can't always fit that stuff in a hotel room Right, which uh, there have been times on tour that I've been the guy who said, like, no, we're not leaving the shit in Baltimore or in right. South Philly. Like, we're bringing all of this shit in the hotel room. Right. I don't give a fuck if it takes right. 40 minutes to unload and I'll, whatever. We're doing it. Yeah. Because I, I can't financially or, or emotionally recover from having my shit stolen. Right. Living in New York, I've had so many bikes stolen and living in Boston, I've been car robbed or yeah. you know apartment broken into but um when i was playing in wizardry which is the first band i was talking about when i played drums when i first moved to new york i was young i was dumb and we were in uh we were at a college i think it was oberlin which i think is wisconsin or i don't know but uh fact check oberlin it's either Ohio or Wisconsin. Well, Oberlin well, College? Oberlin, yeah. Uh, oh, it's in Oberlin, Ohio. Ohio. All right. Which is probably close to Wisconsin. 
Either way. <laughs> but one story uh, that ruled was we played in Milwaukee at this funeral home. And uh, it was like a black metal show, whatever. And it was very black metal-esque in terms of uh, candelabras and yeah. face paint and all that shit. Played the show. And everybody's partying. They have a beer there called uh, Beer 30. And you, you can only buy it by the case. I think it's like comes in a 30 case or something. Bought a, a 30 case of Beer 30. Drank shit to them. Played the show. And then the guy who ran the show was like, hey, you want to go down to the morgue? and smoke weed down where all the dead bodies used to be. And you said yes. I was like, yeah, I don't want to be like a fucking, a, a, a pussy about it, but yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> You're like smoking weed in the basement, in the dark, in the morgue, and it smells like death. And, and how so, many horror movies have you seen? Totally, every single one. Where you're just like, yeah. It's going to come to life. I'm going to go to another dimension. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, anyway, everybody survived. Smoked weed in the morgue. That was weird in Milwaukee. Drank a bunch of beer at 30. Uh, but in Oberlin, uh, we were on tour, and we played a college show, and it was awesome. And they had a, kind of a similar thing. There was like a basement with all these wine kegs. And we went down into and dead people smoking bongs and drinking wine out of kegs and all sorts of shit. And I got super fucked up and climbed up in some fucking tower and pulled a fire extinguisher that fucking started spraying out foam all throughout the hallways <laughs> and Jesus. throughout like dorms and the buildings. And it was like in the middle of January and everybody had to evacuate. Oh my God. <laughs> I stayed inside. Yeah, I remember those fucking winter fire drills, and they sucked. Yeah. And uh, my band had to go outside. The band we were on tour with had to go outside. And uh, I, I knew that it wasn't a fire because I pulled the fire thing. I stayed inside. My band had to sleep in the van in January. I slept inside. <laughs> and then you walked up the next day, and you were like, yeah, The hey. next day, and they were like, you did it. <laughs> didn't you? And I was like, I don't think I did. But you did. I did. I mean, I must have. I still don't remember doing it, but uh, by, by uh, you know, deduction, uh, I did. I did. I did it. So, uh, yeah, if any of the Wizardry guys are miss, uh, listening to this, I, I did do it. Sorry, guys. Is that why you're not in the band anymore? No. They all quit. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, I was just no, curious. But that, that was not, yeah, that was that was a really shitty move. And it was one of those things that, like, you're young and you do dumb things. You don't think about anybody else. And you're, you're in another state. You don't care. I was just fucking partying. It was so awesome. And I thought it would be hilarious. And I honestly didn't know if it, it would do anything. I was like, I've always wondered what this does. And pulled the lever and a bunch of foam came out of the walls and ceiling. <laughs> Everybody ran out in their fucking underwear in the freezing cold. There were probably people fucking, and you ruined yeah. that for them. Oh, definitely. Uh, and, yeah, I, I, I blew it, and the rest of the tour was awkward, but we made it through, and it was great. But that was that was a, a bad tour story. Um, the same band we played in Jacksonville with, like, a, kind of like a cannibal corpse kind of band it was an old strip club in jacksonville it was the shape of like an octagon and he would go and you could tell it used to be a strip club just yes, yeah, poles yeah, yeah. everywhere 
and it was three bands. It was, and everybody hated us because we were from New York and they were from Florida. We're like, fuck this Yankee-ass shit. Yeah. Uh, opening band, then us, then the headliner from Jacksonville. And first band goes on, then we go on. That might be the only thing I could say for black metal fans is that, like, you can win. They might judge you very hard, but you could win them over. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville, fucking death metal garbage redneck people I feel like they're just like we've been drinking all day and we hate you we don't even know who you are and that particular band was you know a a new wave of British heavy metal so we weren't fronting on being hard right it was like you know that kind of stuff it was it was lighting the loafers but it was you know there's heavy moments there's double kick and all this shit but the last band the headliner all like corpse paint and leather vests and spikes and shit and they brought out a coffin and set it in front of all the band members in the stage in the middle of the strip club ring and they set the coffin down and then played for like 45 minutes they're like all right this is our last song called i don't know fucking a dead body or something like that (laughs) and then out from the coffin punches through a guy Who's like covered in all this shit? And like, so he's been laying there. He'd for... been laying not only throughout the set, but the entire show out in the parking lot. Because we were hanging out on front, and they were like getting dressed. And I like, so he was in the coffin. Like they loaded him in there, and he was just there, like for like three there. hours. He'd been chilling out in the what? parking lot. He'd been in the parking lot in this coffin, and like through all the bands, and then they brought him to sit in front through forty-five minutes of the show. And then popped through for his moment, like punched through the top oh of it. Oh my fucking god! He I must think, have been on something really good. I think he might have been sleeping. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, he was like, a driver. It was like fucking April or May in Jacksonville. Like, yeah, he might have been caught a nap. It was decent enough weather, but uh, it was bizarre because I thought once he popped through, I was like, oh my god, that's so awesome! He's about to jump on. And he just stood there. He just jumped out of the coffin and then stood there. I was like, well, that's pretty. You did all that just to stand there? You're not even going to sing on something or do anything or breathe fire or, like, pull a baby out of your chest or something? Like, no. Yeah, he, flip off the... Nothing. He just was like, all right, I'm here. I'm now here. Wow. And I can't believe they only thought that far ahead. They were like, that's that, it. You just jump out. Amazing. Huh? It Great. Was, it was a jack-in-the-box kind of a thing. Be in a coffin for three hours. Jump out. We'll pay you 50 bucks. Or, you know, maybe they had, like, he had, like, a, a camelback full of beer in the car. I don't know. He just but passed out. But it was out. so wild. It was, it was cool as shit. But, yeah, it was like, okay, we're done. <laughs> you know, it, was, it, was, it was really impressive. Stick to it, Ness. Justin and I have a, a, approached a number of topics tonight. Really is. Wow. Cannot guarantee all of them will make it into the final cut of this podcast. Makes sense. But, regardless, um... What have you been listening to lately that you've been really enjoying? Besides your own album. <laughs> yeah. After this, I'm going to go back and listen to Nefarious Wave by Somnuri again. <laughs> uh, I've been listening to the live show we played uh, with Paul Bearer at St. Vitus. Listen to that. Really good. Um, again, uh, the new Mastodon record. Just started listening to that. The new Every Time I Die record. I feel like those are, are uh, such different listens. Uh, when I listen to the new... Yeah, Every Time I Die is not really my thing, but I've been seeing a lot of good press about it. 
So just, I'm I'm usually willing to give the big press records, like the bit, you know, yeah. the stuff that gets a lot of that. I'm usually willing to give that a listen. You know, I yeah. every time I die is not really my thing, but who knows? Maybe um, by the, at some point you might hear me talk about this. Yeah, uh, Phil, our drummer, uh, really tried to turn me on to them and. Uh, a couple years ago, and kind of that's kind of my thing. When somebody tries to turn me on to something, I say no. Yeah. I'll figure it out on my own. <laughs> and uh, okay, a year or so two ago, I started with uh, Low Teens, which I think was their 2016 record, and went backwards in their discography. And really was like, just like, man, what a great for a band that's considered metalcore it doesn't seem like it i put them up there with condier dillinger of in terms of weirdness discord fucking like abstract now the dude in every time i die is also a wrestler right yeah 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 uh it's from what i know he's on aew i've seen him come, um, i think right he i think he is a and w the root beer yes a and w yeah a and w wrestling he's a root beer wrestler uh <laughs> <laughs> root beer randy um, I, I, I really, so between the, the new, every time I die record and the new Mastodon record, I think they came out within days apart. They both had total opposite reactions for me. I listened to the every time I die record the whole way through. I was like, holy shit. I cannot wrap around, uh, wrap my head around how crazy this is. Cause there's so much shit to unpack. I'm going to need a few more listens. And then the new Mastodon record, I was really like, really kind of feeling blah. I was like, man, this is not capturing me whatsoever. And then I gave it a second and a third and a fourth listen. And each time it's been like, ah, it's doing the thing where yeah. it's grabbing me and the songs are really great. You know, I don't know if it warrants a double record or 15 songs, but it it, it is one of those things that it's a lot to unpack because it's, it's a slow burn to me, and, and I really like it. I, I think they're a band that stands the test of time and can do whatever the fuck they want, and I love bands like that. It's like, I'm not going to give you a Blood Mountain or a Leviathan or another Crack the Sky, and I think that's what playing music is about, you know? Mm-hmm. No matter what your fans or people expect from you, you're going to do whatever the fuck you want, and, and, it's, and it's hard to do because... You're gonna go play those festivals or shows that people want to hear certain numbers from, but no, we're doing what we want to do and playing what we want to play, and this is what we came up with. And you either dig it or you don't. They're they're gonna be a band that's gonna you know sell out and do uh, the tours and rad shit regardless. But I think it's important. Uh, you know, going back to a band like Metallica, an incredible amount of respect, but it seems like a band like that is only writing records to try and win back a fan base of like right bands want us to do that thrashy thing let's do death magnetic uh i i'd never listened to the thing with lou reed because i just that's awful i knew it was gonna be i i i had no interest in wanting to hear it you know but that's all right you always want to hear what a band like metallica is gonna metallica is gonna do right it's like they're 50 years old what boundaries are they about to push? And, uh, you know, some are awesome. Some are just like, I don't know, doesn't really sound inspired where, where this Macedon record does sound inspired. Mm-hmm. And going back to that Yob thing is like hearing that Atma record, hearing that remix remastered, 
was like, that's how I wanted it to mm. sound because the the Unreal that never lived, uh, records like that. I was like, this this is a band that really is transcends the doom aspect where it's like, you're boring, fucking riff over and over and over and over and over and over again. The the vocals are are so important. The, the, there's there's so many layers of sweeping emotion that really push it beyond it being a doom record quote yeah and it's it's that idea of like you're almost living in fear of the of the ones that came before you yeah instead of taking what they did using that knowledge and doing your own thing with it yeah there's always this thing in metal with like you always bow down to the ones before you and and it and it's it has held up the genre for years yeah totally and, yeah seen a dog running around all that matters he finds his dog yes that's what matters rough riders what you gonna do what have i been listening to uh the new rivers of nile album was great oh yeah i forgot about that one is it uh, good yes very impressive album uh i was really kind of blown away with how much that band hasn't gotten Huge and yeah, I feel like they should the be bigger. Tiered of these huge. It's but, not. Uh, it's also not like really in my wheelhouse, but I really like it. It's unique music. Yeah, and it's it's a. I wouldn't say it's a painful listen, but like it demands your attention. You yes. can't casually listen to it. Absolutely. I've tried to casually listen to it while I'm making chili or something. It's like, oh my god, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Right. I'm so focused on the art at hand. So in that regard, it's like, yeah, you did your job. Not to mention, I did not realize that the main dude in it is deaf, which is insane. Like, he's making this music and he's deaf. He's hard of hearing. That's insane. Which guy? The main guy. I don't know his name, but I have to read some interviews with him. Well, uh, as you know, Bangladeshi, a great, another great. Yeah, I haven't checked them out yet, actually. Fantastic. it's a two-piece. Uh, John plays keyboards and sings, which he used to play bass and sing, mm-hmm. but now he does everything on keys. So he's deaf, and the drummer is from Bangladesh. <laughs> That's why they're called Bangladesh. <laughs> but sense. he uh, is hard of hearing, I guess, it, but is very uh, hilarious about it. Mm-hmm. So he's got the earpieces, and he's like, huh? And every time I go talk to him, he's like, huh? I'm like, and I start yelling. He's like, I'm just kidding. I heard you. I was just fucking, <laughs> dude. Don't fuck with me like that. Making the best of a bad situation. Yeah, he's a very funny dude. And their music is, uh, I've heard it described as like ADD, Nine Inch Nails. Like it's electronic. Yeah, they can check out. It's it's really it's really great. It is a, a bit of a anxiety listen. But yeah. They're, they're incredible. Incredible. Another great New York band that kind of fits all those bills too. Yeah. You get on a metal bill, an indie bill, whatever it is. and uh, Noise bill. Oh, yeah. Totally. Uh, what else? Uh, new Ko Dot, fucking excellent. Love oh, shit, them. I heard that. Very like highly yeah. atmospheric, very layered. I really liked it. And uh, maybe the greatest band name of all time, Dickless Tracy, a death metal band out of Slovenia. I haven't heard that one. I love your name, love Dickless it. Tracy. Amazing. Uh, also, you made a great fucking record. Like. You know, the new Carcass record is really good, but I felt like there was a lot of Carcass influence on this, and I felt like this was, like, 
a I, I, I think I like this better than the new Carcass record. Like, new Carcass record is really good, but I like this. I felt like it had a little bit more gravitas or whatever like pretentious word yeah. to it. But yeah, that was really great. I, I dug the shit out of uh, that record. And uh, I, I, I don't think we said it before, but the, uh, the what was it? The um, Dream Weapon. A fucking. Uh, oh, is that the Two Mold guy? Or Gengistron? To, yeah. Gengistron. Oh, yeah, yeah. That uh, album fucking kicks ass. Say, that, that has been uh, on there on solid repeat. Yes. Which... Absolutely. Another great... Loved that record. ...cooking record. I could listen, you know, I make a, an entire meal while listening to the whole record, and that's usually how I listen to a full record. Otherwise, I don't get a chance to pay attention. I'll throw it on while I'm doing a whole meal, and, and that was really awesome. And then listening to it on tour with the rest of the boys... And then everybody's got their own input of like, what the fuck is happening? You know, it's uh, very different from their early stuff too. Yeah, and it's amazing how people are kind of shitting on it. Uh, it's like, well, it's not boarded up the house, or you know, it's like, well, that was eight years ago. What do you want? I like to both. Do? I like both want? of them. Yeah, it's a different era. Uh, I saw them at South by Southwest. I think in that era, 2010, 11, 12, whatever. And it was like, this is intense. And it's kind of hard to wrap my head around. And hearing it now, there's a lot of stuff. I think having a live drummer yeah. does a lot of great things. Uh, is that the dude from Sumac, the Nick Yachin? Yeah, I think so. Like, what a fucking... I mean, Sumac a, is awesome. a genius move, right? Not only have a, a live drummer, but that kind of live drummer. And every song you hear, it's like... Oh, this is a chorus, but it's going ba 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 you know, shit like that. It's like, it, it, it's got to be the best record of the year. It's really great. I mean, it's... Other than it's... some Nuri Nefarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of which, uh, you want to tell people where you can find your shit? I don't even know where you can find it. It's on Spotify. It's on... Uh, I don't know. You type Sumnery into Bandcamp, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook. It all comes up in the same YouTube. place. We get, we got YouTube. A, we got a bunch of really rad videos on the YouTubes. Uh, Look fr- up uh, Sumnery on Pornhub. Porn, uh, Very cool. Uh, Friendster, I think we're on. I don't know if that's still a thing, but we're making friends there. <laughs> we got... Uh, I, don't, I don't know when this is going to happen, but we're, we're doing a, a show with Chemists at St. Vitus in December, which this is might good. come out before then, but we'll see. That'd be cool. Could uh, be before, could be after, but yeah. it'll probably be a good time anyway. And we're doing a, a nice long tour in March, which uh, we'll probably announce soon, but that's... Hopefully it's not too soon to say that, but we're, we're touring in March. It's going to be a long one. We're going out west. It's going to be on a Vespa. With ve- that guy. It's going to be on a Vespa, for sure. <laughs> it's awesome. going to be the uh, Vespa, the West Vespa Tour. The West Vespa Tour. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, this one is brought to you by the New York City Marathon. Yep. Did happened. you see any of that? Nope. nope. My dad ran it a few years ago. I saw him running it. Had a great moment, took his picture, he fucking cried, he ran, and I, then we decided we never needed to go through New York Marathon. No, yeah. it, it was very cool. I think New York Marathon does have a lot of great New York pride so, to it. I've, I've and, always and wanted to Kramer, it. somebody at the marathon, to give him vodka. <laughs> we did not get involved this year. We did not get involved yeah. this year. My dad ran in the pre-run uh, because, you know, my dad's getting old. Well. No, I always wanted to set a treadmill up next to the marathon just run in place. Just while troll it. Running. Yeah. Very jackass moment. Or, or be facing backwards yeah. the other way. Like, great job! Yeah. No, that's a solid Do move. it wearing, like, a 
banana hammock. Or just like a, a fucking two, like a, a, a fucking a, a drinks hanging on your helmet. Oh, like the, the... A couple of Bloody Marys off your helmet. And just like, I'm chilling. You're working hard. Get out of here. <laughs> Good for you. I saw a couple of people inside with their gold medals on. Oh, yeah? Silver. In here? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't see them. They're well, wearing, they're I'll go see like them big, now. Yeah. I'm going to go drink beers in front of them. <laughs> We're showing our New York pride and love here. Uh... But yeah, Justin, thanks. Thank you for doing this. Don't run away from your problems. Dylan, thank you. This is great. Cheers. We will get this out and whatever. That'll empty cheers. Do it for this chapter of the diary. Thank you.
We're at the witching hour. Uh, we're at the itching hour. <laughs> <laughs> itching hour. <laughs>